good morning, Edinburgh. <laughs> it's good to be here with you. Uh, if you are watching online, I want to also say, hey, we're glad you are tuned in uh, as well, uh, part of what's going on here uh, at Edinburgh. And <clears throat> this week, I just felt led. Uh, in light of everything that's kind of happened in our nation, uh, everything that happened as a country this past week, um, I wanted to just lead us in a prayer. So I was hoping you would join with me in, in a word of prayer uh, as we pray over our country together. Um, Heavenly Father, we, we come to you right now, and I, I just uh, felt led this week uh, for us to gather as a church and be unified in, in praying that you would bring healing and uh, just, God, uh, restoration to, to our land. We as Christians, we want to humble ourselves uh, before you, Lord, um, and we want to call upon you, and you tell us if you do that, that you will heal and restore our land. I'm praying that we would be unified, and even if we're not all unified uh, around things that, that uh, uh, pertain to your son, Jesus, God, I pray that as a country we could at least be unified around uh, some key values, uh, freedom. Yes, I pray we would be uh, unified around freedom, primarily the, the, the freedom to worship uh, God, we're so thankful that we live in a country where we're able to do that. It's the First Amendment, and I pray that we'd be unified around that. I also, though, pray we would be unified around respecting others, honoring others, God. Uh, would you bring unity to us as a nation? We need more of that. I pray we'd be uh, unified around unity itself. God, we become so tribalistic. And uh, I just pray that uh, you would help our leaders uh, be able to reach across the aisle and that we would all be able to work together for what is um, the greatest, the greatest good. So, Lord, help us to do that. I know the, that Satan wants to get it and divide us as a nation, that, that a nation divided will not stand. But we're going to call upon you as your people and ask that you would bring healing and reconciliation and unity to our country once more. And I pray that we as a church could be an example of that. Thank you, God, that you're using Edinburgh and all the diversity that exists here uh, at, at Edinburgh Church, uh, the, whether it's racial or, or ethnic or even political, God, that we are unified around Jesus Christ and the good news uh, that we have because of Christ. And so, Lord, let us be an example here in our small corner of the world uh, to those around us, and I pray it would be contagious and, and that we would uh, model that for others. So, God, we pray that you'd work in us and through us and that you would do miracles this year uh, in our country. We're going to ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for praying with me, church. Um, by the way, did you notice I ended that prayer saying amen and not a woman? <laughs> uh, listen, I, I, you know, no, this congressman who, who, if you're not aware, he prayed a prayer this past week and he closed it, you know, this congressional prayer saying amen and a woman. And I love what this guy's about, man. He's trying to say, listen, we, we value women and we, we consider women to be equals. And I couldn't agree more um, with that, okay? I mean, here at Edinburgh, we've got women pastors. We've got women that are on our board of directors, which is our overseers of this ministry, okay? Um, but I thought it could also be an opportunity for, for me maybe just to take a second and, and just explain why do we say amen at the end of a prayer? Because many of us are just growing, growing up. It's just what you say. But maybe we didn't know why we say it. The word amen has nothing to do with gender. I just want you to know that. 
It's, it's a pure coincidence that the word men is in the word amen, okay? It actually is the transliteration of a Hebrew word, which at its root simply means true or truth. And, and it's the idea of truly. And it means truly. When we say amen, we're saying truly. Now, the way Hebrew words work is they often have many connotations, and you don't know what that connotation is until you know the context of, of what, that, what the word is being used in. And so when we pray um, and we're asking God for something, we're making a request, the connotation there is, 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 is a little more than truly. It's actually saying, let it be so. And so that's why I love when we can pray as a church, because what we're doing is we're saying we are in agreement and we are praying in unity and asking you, God, for these things. Amen. Let it be so. That's what we're actually saying. Now, if we pray a prayer and we're just thanking God for who he is and just making affirmations, when we say amen there, what we're, we're, we're not saying let it be so. That's who God is. We're just saying it's true. It's true. Those things are true. And by the way, sometimes when I'm preaching, you might hear someone out there in the worship center say what? Amen. Amen. And I love when you do that, by the way. Let's me know you're awake, okay? You're not sleeping on me. I love when I get some amens. And what you're saying, what what are you doing when you say amen? What you're saying is that is true. I agree. Truth. Truth, okay? So this is the word. This is what it means, all right? It simply means true. We pray amen. Say, God, let it be, all right, when we pray and make request of our God. I did find it a little humorous that the dude who said that his name is Emmanuel. I'll just draw that. Emmanuel. <laughs> I found that funny. I don't know if you did. Okay. I wonder if anyone wrote him this week. Dear Emmanuel. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, hey, we're in a series right now called uh, Choosing Joy, and I just felt right now with everything going on in our country, could we use a little extra joy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. amen. Yeah, true. It is true. We do. Uh, I could use some joy. I don't know about you. And so that's why I said we're going to jump into the book of Philippians, because uh, Philippians is all about joy. You know, many years ago, um, I, I attended a one-year Bible school. And uh, I got my Bible certificate, and then I went to Northwestern College, now the University of Northwestern St. Paul. Um, and, and if you start from when I went to that Bible school to when I graduated, it was about five years, okay? And it was during that time I started feeling like, okay, I'm called to ministry. There was a calling on my, on my life. I, I just knew it, and God was calling me to this thing called ministry. So then I went to seminary, and I went to Dallas Theological Seminary. And that seminary, by the way, uh, is a little bit of a longer program than your typical seminary most Seminary programs are 90 credits. Uh, Dallas is 120, so it was an extra year. So I, I, I tell you that to, I was there for at least five years until I graduated at Dallas. So we're talking about like a decade or more of just school and being prepared for ministry. And uh, I was excited and, and, and just, uh, you know, uh, wondering what God had in store for, for me and my family. And uh, I was at work one day, again in Dallas, just about to graduate when all of a sudden I heard God's voice, and it wasn't audible, it was, it was in my heart, I just could hear it, I knew God was speaking, and he said, um, you're supposed to move back up to Minnesota. What I have for you is in, in Minnesota. So I uh, kind of pondered on that for a little bit, um, and then I had to call Danielle and, and, and let her know what, what God was putting on. I was like, hey, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but God is telling me we're supposed to leave our family, our friends, everything behind here, and we're supposed to move back up to Minnesota, she said, that's, that's weird because God has been telling me the same thing. She said, in fact, 
She said, I, I, I just happened to notice a, a position has opened up, a management position that I'm feeling like I should apply for, and it happens to be in the Twin Cities. She applies for it. She gets the job, and, and they pay for us uh, to um, relocate um, and uh, make the transition here into the Twin Cities. So we're on this, we're, we're heading up there. I'm so excited for what God is going to do, and then crickets. Nothing happened. I'm sending out dozens, if not hundreds, of resumes, and, and no one's hiring. I'm not even getting calls back. The few interviews I'm going through, they're, they're not working out. And it's just crickets, and, and nothing is going according to my plan. And for two years, I'm a stay-at-home dad just wondering what, what is going on, why life isn't going according to my plan. And maybe you feel like that. Maybe you found yourself there, or maybe you're even there right now, where it's just like life hasn't gone according to plan. Well, this is certainly how the Apostle Paul felt. The Apostle Paul had plans. He's the greatest church planner that ever lived, you know, greatest evangelist that ever lived. He's leading people in droves to Christ and planting churches all throughout the Roman Empire. And his one desire, sort of the top of his bucket list, was to make it to Rome and to visit the church of Rome there. He actually tells us in Romans 1, we see this, he says, I pray, talking to the church of Rome, I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come and see you. Hopefully I'm finally going to make it to you, church of Rome. In verse 13, he goes on, he says, I, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but I've been pre prevented from doing so until now. He thought he was going to make it there. His plan was, I'm going to Rome. Now, here's the irony. He does make it to Rome, but not as a preacher, he makes it to Rome as a prisoner in chains. Certainly not, not, what he had, not what he had in mind. Life did not go according to plan for the Apostle Paul. Yet, yet, Paul never lost his joy. In fact, from prison in Rome, he writes the letter to uh, the church of Philippi. He writes us the, the, what we have, the letter of Philippians. And the primary theme of the, the letter of, uh, of Philippians is joy. Paul, Paul talking about his own joy and Paul encouraging the church of Philippi to have joy and to rejoice. In fact, he uses the word joy or rejoice at least 16 times in this short four-chapter book, what was a letter that Paul wrote to the church. Okay? So this is a primary theme. Paul is in prison. Life is not going according to his plans, and yet he is still able to rejoice. He never loses his joy. And so this morning what I want to talk about as we continue on in chapter 1 of Philippians, what do we do when life doesn't go according to plan? How do we have joy when life doesn't go according to to plan. Well, I'm just going to jump on, you know, into the text here. And so let me give you the first way we keep our joy when life doesn't go according to plan. It starts by finding purpose right where you're at. Finding purpose right where you're at. Look at what Paul says in verse 12. We're going to pick it up there. Paul says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So what happened to Paul? What is he talking about? He's talking about being arrested being in Rome in chains. But he's saying what happened to me is actually being used by God to advance the gospel, to progress the gospel, meaning people were hearing the gospel, 
that wouldn't have heard it otherwise and are apparently receiving the gospel. Because in verse 13, he goes on to say, as a result, as a result of my being imprisoned, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Okay? Uh, so the way the, the, you know, it worked in Rome here is generally they, they would assign a Roman guard to each prisoner. So Paul would have had like his own prison guard assigned him. By the way, can you imagine being that prison guard assigned to Paul? All day, listening to Paul. I mean, he was probably singing songs while he was in prison. He was probably preaching that dude's ear off. I can only imagine. That dude wasn't going to church. That, that dude wasn't going to work. He was like going to church every day, showing up and having to listen to Paul. But apparently, it made a difference in this guy's life because then he started telling other soldiers and, and the gospel was able to spread throughout, we're, we're, we're told, the whole palace guard. And I'm assuming that's a lot of people for the Roman Empire. This is the capital of the Roman Empire, Rome. Probably a lot of people. And it spreads throughout the entire palace guard. This Paul who believes in this Jesus. And Paul was leading people to faith and, and finding purpose in prison as God was using it to lead others to Christ. But it wasn't just leading unbelievers to believe in Jesus. He was also encouraging his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because look at what we read in verse 14. And because of my chains, he says, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So he wasn't just leading believers, unbelievers to Christ. He was also encouraging the believers to be more bold in their faith. He, he found purpose in his chains. God was using him. It wasn't going according to his plan, but God was using him right where he was at. What about you? Are you letting God use you right where you're at? So I told you, I, I, I was in this two-year window, uh, this period where nothing was happening, and I was just wondering, God, how could this be happening? I mean, I went through all this school, and now I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anything with it. But I had a lot of extra time on my hands, and so I got to know one of my neighbors, and we became pretty close friends. And one day he was talking to me about something going on in his family. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I just took a moment and said, well, can I pray for you about that? And he said, sure. And so I prayed with him. And next thing I knew, he appreciated that prayer. He started asking me just, uh, you know, spiritual questions. And he had grown up in a very strict religious uh, home and had, had been taught that you got to do all these things for God. you gotta, you got to work hard if you want God to love you and if you want to receive salvation. And you got to jump through all these hoops. And I just got to say, whoa, 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 that's not the gospel the gospel is not that you jump through all these hoops so that God loves you and receives you and you go and get set. I say, Jesus is the one who jumped through all those hoops for you. You put your hope, your faith in Jesus and God the Father honors that in your life. That's the gospel. You do that and God will be pleased with you. God will love you. God will consider you one of his. Not because you're trying to be good enough, but because you're recognizing the one he sent to sacrifice and die for your sin is good enough. It's called grace. Very different than what he had grown up hearing. And because of that, his life was impacted. And uh, just before Danielle and I uh, moved, that, that made such an impression on him, this idea of grace that he had never heard before. He actually made me this, just before he moved. Grace. 
Actually, this is hanging, this is hanging in our bedroom to this day. This, this hangs above our, our dresser. Grace. I saw him working on it for like a month and wondering what he was working on, and then he brought it over. Grace. Love it. It was one life impacted. One life impacted. You know, it wasn't, wasn't ten. It wasn't five. It was one. But you know what? One person is one person. And I just wonder if there's a person in your life that could be, could be impacted for the kingdom. And, and I know some of us, were so, like, terrified of, like, ever talking about the gospel or talking about spiritual things because we don't feel like we know enough. By the way, you don't have to know it all. You have your story to tell. But one little tip that I would give you that I have found to be very effective over the years is have a conversation with someone. And, 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 and if something comes up, a, a health issue or a financial issue or something like that, something in their family, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And I'm telling you, 99% of the time, that person will say, yes, I, I would welcome your prayer. Uh, I've only had one person ever turn me down uh, from praying for them, and I pray for people a lot. I even prayed for an atheist one time. This guy doesn't even believe in God. He's, he's kind of even animate, but he was, he, he, he was going in for back surgery, and he was kind of freaked out about, you know, uh, going under. And so um, I just said, can I pray for you? And he said, he, he said oh, okay, kind of reluctantly, but he was like, oh, okay. I, I could kind of tell that he wanted me to pray for him, but he was so weirded out by it. He actually, while I, I've never had this happen before, while I was praying for him, I was like trying to put my hand on like his shoulder and just pray for him. He started actually like walking away, okay? But he wasn't fast because his back was hurting him, all right? That's why he was having to go in for surgery. And so I was able, I followed this dude around a room praying for him. It was very awkward. Sometimes it will be. But then his daughter called me a few days later and said, you don't know what that prayer meant to my dad. He's been talking about it. He still asks me spiritual questions. This is sometimes he'll, 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 through his daughter, will want me to answer a spiritual question. Okay, so all I'm saying is it can be a gateway evangelic, you know, uh, evangelism uh, method in our lives. Just, I'm going to pray for you. It's a way we can make an impact. God, we, God gives us so much power and authority. Use it. Use it. Pray for people. It'll make a difference in their life. God can use you right where you're at. That's the first thing, okay? Here's the second thing. What do we do? What do we do when life doesn't go according to our plans? We focus on the positives. We focus on the positives. Verse 15, Paul goes on to say, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. It is sad, but it is true that even in, 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 in Christian circles, there can be division. And, and there, can be, there can be ego, and, and there can be rivalry. Um, in fact, if I were to be honest with you, I'd tell you my greatest pains as a pastor, my greatest wounds have not come from people outside of the church. It's come from people inside the church, people judging motives and uh, what I'm all about. And let me just say, as your pastor who loves you, I want you to know, okay, I am in this thing called ministry, and I do this thing called ministry because at the end of the day, friends, I want to see lives transformed by the gospel. That's why I do this. That's why I'm in this thing, and I want you, God's people, to know. My, that doesn't mean there's not weeks where I'm just like, I just got to get through the week and do the best I can. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say there were weeks like that. But at the end of the day, my heart is to see lives transformed and God glorified through the amazing good news we get to share 
and help others to walk in, okay? So know that about your, your pastor. Certainly not perfect, but that, that is my motive. But Paul's having to deal with this, and Paul's struggling, and I can only imagine how painful and, and how just he must have felt like I can't do anything about it. It, just, it had to have created some, some anxiety, okay? Yet, yet, look at what he says in verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I, I rejoice. Paul was able to rejoice despite the fact, despite the fact that there was this rivalry happening. He was able to focus on the positive, that the good news was being carried out. Again, what about us? Are we able to focus on the positives when life doesn't go our way, when life isn't going according to plan? Friends, this is why it's so important that we learn to guard our minds. you got to learn to guard your minds because there's so much in, out there, so much in the world that wants you to be negative and wants you to be afraid. I'll just say this. I do think some of us, the best thing you could do for yourself right now is just turn off the news. Just turn off the news. At least maybe reduce how much you're looking at the news. Because what it's doing is it's stirring up fear and it's stirring up even anger. And, and what I've learned is that anger generally then turns to depression. Okay? And sometimes we got to learn to guard our minds um, from, from negativity. Uh, again, when I was in that two-year window, not knowing what, you know, what, was gonna, what God's plan was for my life, um, wondering why I was just sitting there not doing it. I was a stay-at-home dad. We had Logan and Michaela. They were twins. They were one years old at the time. And by the way, I have so much respect for stay-at-home moms and dads. Amen? It is true. Okay? It, that is not an easy role, being a stay-at-home mom and dad. Uh, Danielle would come home after a long day's work, and there would be all this crying, and there'd be all this whining, and that was just me. Okay, the kids were fine. They were having a heyday. They were eating me alive. It was the best thing for them, okay? And I wish I would have re realized this at the time. Um, but I have a special bond to this day because I got to spend that, the, 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 those formative years with Logan and, and Michaela. Not that I don't have a special bond, too, with my daughter, Callie, because I do. But I have a special bond with Logan and Michaela. Because I got to spend and invest that time in them. Friends, that was the, I wish I would have recognized what God was doing and given me the opportunity to do in their lives at that time. We've got to learn to guard our minds. And this might be a little tip that helps some of us as well. When I'm feeling down or starting to focus on the negatives rather than on the positives in my life, I'll just stop and I will go to God and I will just start listing off all the things I'm thankful for in my life. I'll just say, God, I am thankful for you. I am thankful for Jesus. I am thankful for the gospel. I am thankful for the good news. Friends, can you imagine if Jesus hadn't come where our world would be today? That is something we can be thankful for. I'm thankful for my family, my wife, and my kids. I'm thankful for this church and that I have a church family. That's, that's not a small thing, friends. That's a significant thing. And I can go down the list and just thank God for the... All the blessings in my life, and before I know it, I find my attitude changing from maybe fear or despair to, to, to one of joy. Paul focused on the positives rather than the negatives. So what do we do when life doesn't go according to plan? First, we find purpose right where we're at. Second, we focus on the positives. And last, we trust God's plan. 
We trust God's plan. It might not be our plan, but we trust God's plan. Look at what Paul goes on to say in verse 18. He says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Let me just stop there for a second. This is why we call this series Choosing Joy. Here we see it. Paul's saying, I am going to choose joy. Despite my circumstances, I am going to choose joy. I am going to rejoice. And I was thinking about it this week. At least for me, okay, my joy, one of the, 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 the deepest roots of my joy is in this. It's in knowing that God is in control, that God is good, and that God has a good plan for my life. I'm telling you, one of the deepest roots that can lead to joy, can blossom joy in your life, is when you have assurance, absolute assurance, that God is in control of your life, that God is good, and that God has a good plan for you. Paul trusted that. He trusted that. And because he trusted that, he rejoiced. He went on to say, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, underline deliverance uh, there for a second. Okay? There, there's some debate about what Paul means by that, by deliverance here. I believe Paul means two things. By deliverance, he's saying that because of your prayers and through the Spirit, I'm going to either be, one, delivered from prison, and I'm going to get to come and see you, or I'm going to be delivered from this body in death, and I'm going to get to go and be with Christ. Because look at what he goes on to say next. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, okay, and I think he means whether in life or death. He says, but, I, but we'll have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Christ will be glorified through my life, whether I live or by death. He's not sure what's going to happen. And whether I live or by di I, I die, Paul's saying, I'm going to be delivered one way or the other. And so I can trust, I can trust God. He says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Are you able to say that? Are you able to say to live is Christ, and to die is gain? See, first Paul's case saying to live is Christ. That if I live, if that be God's will, if that's God's plan, and I continue living, he's saying, uh, then, then for me, that's going to lead to more time to being able to bear fruit for this Jesus that I love and I treasure. It's, it's more time to do that. In fact, Paul's going to make that clear, that, this is, that that's what excited him about having more time to live. He goes on in verse 21. He says, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which, he, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul here seems to have some confidence that he is going to be released from prison because God wants to use him to encourage, again, the church of Philippi. 
For Paul to live was Christ. It was opportunity to serve God, to live for God with the time he had left here in the world. By the way, it's believed that Paul did actually get delivered from prison for a period of two years, then got rearrested and would eventually get beheaded. Paul was right. He was confident. He was going to have some time to use the time he had to invest in God's kingdom. This is what we mean, friends, when we talk about storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven. It means we're willing to invest the time we have now to store up for ourselves joy in the next life. This, this is what I want for you, okay? I want you to live a life where you, you, you sacrifice and, and you invest in God's kingdom with the time you have now. So that one day when you stand before Christ and, and you give an account for your life, your joy is going to be great. Okay, I'm not talking about earning salvation here. I'm not talking about earning God's love. But the Bible does clearly teach that some of us are going to get to heaven and our joy is going to be, there's going to be joy. But some of us are going to get to heaven and because of the investment we made with the time we had on earth, our joy is going to be great because we're going to get to look back and say, I didn't waste my life. I used it. I used that short time you gave me, God, to live it for you and your glory. And because I did it for you, that is my forever joy. And church, I want that for all of us. To be able to spend our eternity basking in the fact we gave our lives for this Christ that we love. Do you realize there's one thing you're not going to be able to do in heaven? You're not going to be able to invest in his mission. We only get time to do that. Now, you're on earth for such a time as this. Some of us freaking out about our kids. Our kids are having to grow up in this world. They're having to grow up in all this darkness. God appointed your children to be born right now so that they can be a weapon for his kingdom. So that they can use their lives for the glory of Christ and the advancement of his kingdom in this world. And my hope for all of us is we're going to be able to stand before Christ and look back and say, Jesus, I did it all for you. And that is going to be our joy. Why? Because we love him. To live is Christ. But he doesn't just say to live is Christ. He also says to die is gain. Meaning... Paul was like, okay, he's like, it's a better off. Doesn't mean Paul loved this idea of death. He was no friend of, you know, death is no friend. But, but, why could Paul say to die is gain? Because he knew he was going to get to go to be with this Jesus he loved and treasured in his heart. Are you able to say that? Are you able to say to die is gain? You know, a few years back, I got into a car accident, and my car actually, uh, Danielle and I hit some black ice, and we spun across like four lanes of a highway. And as we were spinning, I remember thinking, am I ready? <laughs> and am I ready? And I would be, if I were to be brutally honest with you, I was still clinging. I was still clinging to the things of this world. I wouldn't say I was, I, I was quite ready, okay? But Paul's able to say to die is gain. Why? Because he knew Jesus so well. And he treasured Jesus so deeply in his heart that he was excited to get to go and spend eternity with Jesus in this place called heaven where we're told there's no more tears and there's no more pain and there's no more death and there's no more sorrow. Paul was actually looking forward to that. And as I was thinking about it this week, 
Uh, I got thinking about this ministry we're doing here at Edinburgh Church. Um, we're, we're doing this ministry right now where people can write in and any prayer request or special needs they have, they can let us know. And this ministry is growing. People from out of the state are reaching into us. Pastor Bob is overseeing this really incredible ministry, reaching out and counseling and helping these individuals. And one of the things that we have seen, though, grow um, have been people who are suicidal. And those things are getting flagged and they're getting brought up to the top. And Pastor Bob's having conversations with these people. And maybe that's some of us even, even here today. Maybe there's a person in here who's been feeling that way, having suicidal thoughts. or feeling. And I just felt led this way as I was preparing this message because I've been there. And I know what that's like. And the decision I made was, okay, I'm willing to take my life and end it all now. So God, why don't I just give it to you and let you have it? And the rest of my life, it's yours and I'm going to use it for your glory. And that would be my encouragement for you, friends. If you're feeling that way, you just say, God, what do I care? It's not my... You just might find that God sets you on the adventure of a lifetime. Will there be sacrifice along the way? Will there be hardship along the way? Will there be suffering along the way? Absolutely. But what do you care? You are going to give it up anyways. Why don't you give it to a good cause, something greater than yourself, and say, God, it's yours, and you just might find him using your life in incredible ways. So that when that day does come and you get to experience the relief of death, you're going to stand before Christ and you're going to say, thank you, God, that you used my life. That's what I want for all of us. That's what I want for all of us. Can you say that? To live as Christ, to die is gain. Are you able to trust so deeply in God's plan that really it's a win-win, whatever happens in your life? Paul was able to say this. Why? Because his heart was aligned with Paul loved this Jesus, he treasured this Jesus, and he aligned his heart to living for Jesus. And so no matter what happened in life, it was a win-win. If I live, it's more time to do fruitful ministry. If I die, I get to go and be with him because his heart was aligned with Christ. Paul could trust in God's good plan for his life. And that's what I feel like I need to say to some of you today. If you would just align your heart. Maybe you've gotten off track. Maybe some things have gotten more important to you than being a follower of Christ. Maybe, I, I, I don't know what that could be. It could, it could, be, it could be politics. It, it could be even family, these seemingly good things. Uh, when I was in that two-year window, for me, it even became the pursuit of ministry. But friends, if you would align your heart with Christ, here's what I can tell you with rock-solid assurance. It's going to be okay. If you're in a place right now and you're like, why is this happening in my life? Life is not going according to plan. Here's what I can tell you. If your heart is aligned with Christ, I can tell you with rock-solid assurance, it is going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Because our God is in control, and our God is good, and our God has a good plan for your life, whether it's in this world and investing it in Christ, whether it's going to be with him and spending eternity with him, it's going to be okay.
And so what do you do? When life doesn't go according to your plan, you let God use you right where you're at. Who's that person you need to start praying for? You focus on the positives rather than the negatives. And you trust in God's good plan for your life. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask us to to stand. I'm going to close this out by praying, um, close this message out by praying over you. Because maybe there's someone here today who needs to receive God's grace. And maybe there's someone here today that needs to realign their heart with their Christ. And so if you'd bow your heads with me, heavenly. Father, thank you for Jesus. (laughs) I pray right now we would sense him in our hearts. Oh, that this church would know his love for them. How much you love us, Christ. God, help us to align our hearts with you to make you the main thing in our life today, right now, so that we walk out of here. And even when something this week doesn't go according to our plan, we're able to trust you in it. We're able to have patience and model Christ-like character because we know you're with us. And we know you promised that it will all work out for our good in the end. So use us. Use us as your people. As we invite you again into our lives to be front and center. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.